0: Welcome to the Kassafa Show with Mark Gleason and Nick Sed.
1: Welcome to this latest episode of the Kassafa Show, where we'll have another very lineup that takes in the business of sport, current events in the Bafana camp, and a little bit of history as we look back at Namibia's debut in the Kusafa Castle Cup almost 25 years ago.
2: First, we look at the Kusafa Women's Leadership Program, where some of the brightest minds in the Southern African football have had chance to upskill themselves in all facets of the business of sports with the aim of seeing more female representation in boardrooms across the region. <laughs> We're joined now by Margie Cruz Blanco, who's the co-founder and chair of the Sports Equity International Foundation that seeks to empower women in sport. Kasafa has partnered with the Sports Equity International to create a women's leadership program in the Southern African region, which kicked off this month and will run until August. Margie, many thanks for your time. Can you explain to us why you approached Kassafa for this project?
0: So thank you, Nick, uh, for having me today. And it's a great question. So why did we approach Kosafa? Maybe let, let me start from the beginning. Uh, at Sports Equity, we envision a world of shared prosperity across the sports globally. And we are a platform uh, with the purpose of bringing people together to engage and co-create new governance models, development, and business models across sports. And one of the pillars that we work very strongly is leadership development. And why Kosafa specifically, I had conversations with Sue and Fran Hilton. And one of the key things they wanted to do to bring across the southern region of Africa is an initiative to bring forward more leaders in football. And for me, that's a very fitting project for our foundation. So we've been able to mobilize experts from across Africa, but also in different parts of the world to deliver a leadership initiative for women in the southern region of Africa. Our goal is really to um, see more women sitting at the table across the member associations. And at the same time, we want to encourage women to take those places to attain leadership roles. Uh, There is one of the the key challenges across global sports is that initiatives to nurture and support women are nowhere where they should be. So if we could do this in the Southern region of Africa, We are then hoping we can bring that across other regions in Africa, but then also across the world. So we are also using these as a model, as a framework that could be replicable for other women and also for men. I believe that at some point we need to bring the two sides together and men need to be also more exposed to women leaders and to women's leadership styles as well. So that is also one of the goals of the program is also starting to build awareness about the leadership capacity of women, which is there, but we need more visibility for them. We need more opportunities for them to lead in the world of sports and in the world of football. So so that, I would say, are some of the key reasons for us to engage with KOSAFA and just really to praise the vision of Sue, the Stomless and and president of KOSAFA to really allow to do this uh, across the region. I think it's going to be a very progressive initiative for women, but also for football in general across uh, the southern region of Africa.
2: And now the the program runs for for the next five months. Can you just give us an idea of the different modules and, and what each one contains?
0: yes i mean that is something that really really uh, excites me because we are looking at three different aspects uh, when it comes to to leadership development which which are fundamental for any leader to make a mark in the world in particular in in sports and football. So the first uh, aspect we are looking is is really strengthening the participants' inner axis. What is great about me? What are my learning edges? They have to become more self-aware. Self-awareness, the cornerstone of, of leadership development. So we are really looking at strengthening the participants' leadership capacity for them to learn what are my skills, what do I have in my toolkit, what is connected to my passion, what is my purpose in football and how do I want to create impact? So it's really mapping all of those very important experts of of leadership development to then provide them with the tools to lead in the world of football. So that is the second pillar of the program. So we will be then looking to help the participants having a greater understanding of the football landscape, the football ecosystem, that what is good governance. And they will also look about the digital landscape and how the participants could understand that very important part of football business. How do you market uh, your initiative? um how do, do you create a great communication package so we're going to be really looking into those very important aspects of football we'll also look into club management and what are the basic fundamentals of club management what are the basic fundamentals for uh, football and finance how you fundraise. And we're really hoping that with this pillar, uh, which is very, very much focused on my football toolkit, the women that are participating in the program will be able to uh, be empowered to lead change within their member associations, um, within the football ecosystem. But also one of the vision is that these women are also encouraged to, to build their own businesses, to become entrepreneurs, um, within the within the football environment and then the third pillar is really how you sustain your journey how you you tell your story that move people to act um, how you create uh, an environment where you will be able to influence and negotiate positively and but also how do you grow from failure in leadership development and for any leader, whether it's a man or a woman, there are ups and downs. So it's really important for the participants to embrace that part of leadership development and how you structure failure, how do you build from failure, and how you grow as a leader from failure, how you bring an organization behind you. Um, So it's really about sustaining that journey forward. And then The program uh, will also look uh, in parallel to support the participants uh, having a project uh, that will help perhaps uh, a particular area within the member associations, or maybe it's actually the business plan for the particular uh, uh, initiative. So we are looking at the participants basically take everything they are learning into a practical way. And this this comes from a principle, something I learned in Africa by working with many football associations. You always hear walk the talk, right? So it's all well and good that you develop these programs, this initiative, that you give this uh, opportunity for professional development for men and women. But you need to really bring a tangible, concrete action after that. So that is also part of our philosophy at Sports Equity. And we're so happy that Kosafa has also that vision of walking the top, of taking this program further and actually getting some very tangible projects to improve the state of football across the southern region of Africa.
2: Now, I know you've put together a a fantastic list of experts from the various different fields to offer their experience and insights to the participants, including yourself. Who are some of the speakers that you've lined up uh, over the next five months?
0: Yeah, that's a great question, Nick. I think it's one of the aspects that I'm proud of the most about this program. It's been incredible to see that we could mobilize so many people, really willing to uh, to bring this this uh, this program further and and make sure that they could actually lend hands to to take the project and to bring the participants the knowledge and expertise. So, I mean, starting uh, from the first module where we We are looking very, very strongly about self-awareness and and strengthening that inner axis of the participants. We got experts from Think, a school of creative leadership. Um, Rajiv Ball, who was one of the experts that helped us to shape a leadership program for women within football uh, when we started this initiative at at FIFA. Uh, So we've got these Think experts that have helped us already shape a program for women in football uh, we've got the likes of PJ Powers, you know, in, in South Africa, they call her Talenka, the loved one. She brings an amazing experience in her career as a singer. And then she's also lending that experience being a businesswoman, being someone who had an amazing career. To the participants, so you could understand that this also brings a perspective uh, so it 's not just about the experience in football, but what can we learn from other industries um, we 've got Brenda Kunda, who has been a football executive, um, in Zambia, for example, a woman that have built her own business, that have created her own football team that have been very successful as a businesswoman so we 're bringing very, very tangible concrete experience we got of course. Sue the Storms who comes and and regularly uh, support uh, the sessions of the participants, a very, very tangible example of a woman that have been leading in football for years and have been bringing forward an organization like like COSAFA. We've got um, Ebru Coxal, also a great profile when it comes to football business as a woman. She's the current chair of women in football um, in the UK. And we've got then also very, very strong African voices. We've got Jean Seninde, a former player, someone who is also living in the world of football. Solange De Hass, also one great example of African sister, that is able to bring a lot of great expertise from her experience in football and working with uh, CAF and we've got as well as for Mamelodi someone who has been working in and around the southern region of Africa is going to talk to us uh, the participants about football landscape governance Uh, We've got Emi Casaletti, Linda Griff and Dara Carroll. I mean, those names are very known across the southern region of Africa. These women are going to bring their perspective when it comes to football business, marketing, communications, brands. I mean, Dara has such an amazing experience in building the brand of Kaisership, one of the most successful clubs. Uh, So really people with hands-on experience uh, on what is the football business day-to-day to then help the participants build in that journey and really learning practical things. We're bringing also experts from, I would say, uh, from the business side, but then other experts. I've got someone in my team, Menno Lineal, who has developed and um, create a lot of campaigns around the art industry. And this perspective is also quite a fresh perspective to help the participants understanding how do you build global campaigns? So how do you build local campaigns? How um, do you also fundraise? So it's really bringing that outside the box perspective. We've got representative from CAF. We've got Mohamed Sidat, who's going to talk about club management. We've got also the women's football department from CAF. Safia Meski, who is going to talk about strategy of women's football across Africa and what are the, the key uh, takeaways to bring women's football forward in the southern region of Africa. We've got someone also from my team, Anna Shandubi, who's a very young, intelligent woman from the digital world. She's currently executive from Facebook, and she will bring that perspective of how you develop a digital strategy. How do you monetize? How do you engage with fans? Um, so really, I mean, I can, I can keep talking. I'm mean, so excited about the diversity of people that are coming to help the program. Carol Chabalala, uh, we all know her. Uh, From all over the world, she's been leading so many projects, a great anchor and working across different uh, initiatives at FIFA and and across COSAFA and football. She's going to talk to us uh, about personal branding, social media, how do you build your personal brand, how you position yourself. As a woman in the world of sports, she's going to come with Julia Wangeri as well, a journalist, very experienced from the region. And then just lastly to mention, we're going to have Shizan Mabuno uh, from Nigeria, also someone very well known in the media world in Africa but she's gonna talk about impact on particular projects that she's been implementing across uh, the region. She also brings that perspective as a woman, how you create impact, how do you become an executive, but also uh, how do you bring back and give back to the overall ecosystem? So, yeah, I mean, like I said, I could keep talking Nick about so many wonderful people uh, that are supporting the program, but I think this model is quite amazing. And it becomes so uh, meaningful, especially because of the diversity of people that are coming to support and build a really meaningful leadership journey for the participants.
2: Why is this Kasafa Women's Leadership Program so important for the future of sports in the Southern African region?
0: I think this is, this is a great, great question. And I'll start by saying that for me, the potential of football in Africa is immense. Just working across different member associations in the Southern region of Africa, I I have witnessed very closely that potential and the contribution of women can be paramount to bring new perspective across football leadership. The key challenge here is that women are underrepresented in sports and in football. So if you think about it, less than 20% of CEOs in sports organizations are women. And then at presidential level, that falls well under 10%. So leadership programs like this are not as many as there should be. And, you know, initiatives to nurture and support women to attain leadership positions are very much needed to give women confidence, to encourage them actually to think about those leadership roles. And, I think we envision a world where we will have more women CEOs, more women at presidential level across the the member associations, but also leading their own business, leading their own clubs. So I, I do strongly believe that, you know, to solve some of the global and local and regional challenges that football is facing today, we need that diversity of thinking, diversity of leadership. And that is exactly at the core of this initiative together with COSAFA, I mean, if you think about fans are watching football differently, football is being challenged by other forms of entertainment. Developing the game requires different innovative approach and leadership is demanded to evolve. So if we get that diversity of women leaders across the Southern African region, I think we're going to bring huge opportunities for developing football. For creating different models uh, of revenue streams across the member associations and making sure that we really walk the talk when it comes to diversity uh, across the region. So that for me, is one of the, I would say, key goals of the program. And I think is also replicating those role models, like Sue, the Stunt, for example, across the region, so that we can really bring that development that we want to see when it comes to leadership development across the region and across football in general. Let's be this project an example that we can replicate in other places and also see these women taking a leadership role in, in the different member associations.
2: That is incredible. And finally, and- Finally, Maji, I know it's very early days, but what has been the feedback from the participants so far?
0: Yeah, indeed. I mean, if we had just a second session, Nick, yesterday. And I could give you one example. Uh, we've got this tool that is called the Leaders Journey Map. And what has been really fantastic, first of all, the participants are challenged. So they're like, aha, what are my skills? What, what, what have I learned in my, in my journey so far in football or, or overall in life? And, you know, what are the things that are great about me? And it's really interesting because the first thing is to be challenged. It's like, wow, I need to start listing my experience. I need to start listing, what do I know? And first of all, it's like, how do I do that? But then it's amazing to see how they said, this is fantastic. It really makes me think about my personal experience. It really makes me think, I know this, I can bring this into the world of football and it starts to build that empowerment that idea that i can go to the next level so those are some of the key takeaways that uh, you hear from the participants you also hear a lot about how can we get football back you know how what are the, the key things we could do to overcome the current pandemic and to then especially to build uh, you know grassroots football to start building, you know, new initiative uh, within the region, within the particular member associations, I think this is exactly the kind of thinking we want. We want the participants to challenge themselves. We want them to feel that this is about bringing solutions. So it's been really positive to hear that the sessions are challenging them, but also towards what are the solutions I can bring? What are my key strengths? That I can then put forward. I was not aware about this particular aspect of my personality or my leadership style, and it's absolutely fine not to be aware. But how can I learn more? So that has been really, really rewarding for us um, bringing the program for these women across the southern region of Africa, and. Also, one of the key takeaways is hearing the experience of other women, because through the sessions, we are always bringing case studies. We are bringing, you know, someone who have gone through a leadership journey that has ups and downs, that had success, uh, that has some setbacks. So for them, it has been like, wow, there are other women and men that are, you know, achieving great things. And it is a journey. That I can also take on. So for them, it's been also quite an eye opener and very positive uh, received to have this perspective, very hands on perspective, uh, for when from women and men that have you know gone through the experience of being leaders in the world of football and outside of football as well.
1: Next up on the Kasafa show, we have the opportunity to talk to Thabo Nodada. He sat on the bench for Bafana Bafana in their last two Africa Cup of Nations qualifiers that was against Ghana and Sudan. And he gives us this little idea of the frustration of South Africa going out and failing to qualify for the competition. So, let me, uh, I just want to ask you about the Sudan game. Um, how do you guys take that in terms of the fact that? Going to a tournament is obviously gives you a whole new avenue of, you know, you're going to play a lot more games, you're going to be in the spotlight, da-da-da-da. It, has it, a week or two later, has it sort of sunk in a little bit about what a big missed opportunity?
0: Um,
3: I think for the guys that have been to the tournament before, maybe more than me, for me who didn't get my chance to put a stamp in there and give my personality and actually be on the field to, to get the, the team through. I don't think it hit deep as much as I could see the other guys in Tyson and Percy uh, in Timberzwani even in the guys that play in the Cav competition uh, I could see how big a blow it was and for me now I think hit me you know, watching the Barclays Premier League and listening to the comments of the African players that would be playing in the African the teams haven't qualified. And the opportunity, I missed out on just seeing them and seeing how they act and seeing what kind of professionals they are. It was pretty disappointing, pretty disappointing. I took that out of coming from Sudan, but uh, on, on the contrary, for me, it was a totally different camp compared to all the camps I've been there. I think this was the first year where from June, start of the season, I was in the national team one way or another till the end of the season, till the very last game before the season ends. And that sort of made me feel a certain way. And I quickly realized, I think it was the first session where I was so disappointed in myself. I didn't show my personality. I was afraid to lose some balls. I was a bit shy and through talks with the coach you know he's speaking to everyone and he just points at me he's like I'm waiting for that player I'm waiting for that player and from there something switched something switched for me I was a bit more courageous I I had already had the relationship with the players off the field and it was just about transferring that that feeling and that emotion onto the way I play and express myself on the field and towards the latter stages of of the camp especially in Sudan um I think I came into my own and I was very disappointed I didn't get the chance. I was very disappointed I didn't get the chance to come on because with where I was mentally, I was just one kick away from doing something great, something that's I not even thought about. But uh, Coach Maliki, I had prepared a note, funnily enough, I had prepared a note when I was going to the national team and I would be caught up as a replacement. I'm looking at the midfielders and I don't see, I don't see someone who could potentially go toe-to-toe with me and I'm not even question. So I wrote a note and I was going to thank him for everything. I was, really, I was going to thank him for everything because he took me and he planted me on very fertile land, you know, and then finally I couldn't get the chance to play. But then when things weren't going well with the club, he still had the courage and, you know, to call me back in the national team and just for the stamp, uh, like the 100 club has done for my career and the assurance of the type of player I am. So, yeah, I was just very disappointed I didn't play. But I wish Mulefi, coach Mulefi, had another chance him being the teacher, I learned a lot. I learned a lot in that national team in seven days, eight days, to be able to process so much information in such a short period of time, so detailed in how the team should play, how the setup should be. I don't think any player went onto the field not knowing what to do or not knowing what's going to happen. It's just that when you cross the line, it's your coaching, and mean, it's you and your readiness and your, and your preparedness. And So having had um,
1: a year, as you say, in the national team squad, and obviously that limited exposure with Cape Town City when you guys were in the Conference Cup, what is your appetite like for international football? Do you think we South African clubs underplay it too much and we don't take it seriously enough? And particularly this team previously didn't take it terribly seriously. Would you like to be involved in a... You know, do what Sundowns
3: and Pirates are doing. Yes, yeah, yes, definitely, because you're playing with um, the best players on the continent. So if you're aiming to be the best, um, you first do it in your country, yes, and then you go compete with other players. Your country then is, is not a question anymore playing in your country, uh, I don't know, you uh, had an experience. Maybe people like Trump or like Zwani, when they go and they play in the PSL, it's just recollections and memories, uh, whereas in, in the CAF maybe at a higher, different stage. So even now, having the CAF president from South Africa, I think a lot of the nuances on the side with the traveling, the hotels, the food, the pictures, I think that is some of uh, the change he is going to come with. And I, I, I see us stamping our foot on the continent because we do have the talent, we do have the talent. I mean, even in Sudan, why it's such a big issue, they were no match. If you put player by player quality by quality, they are no match. but somehow with all the disadvantages that they have, they, they beat us with you know it's yeah, I think we it seems like sundowns are already leading, and I think everybody needs to get a page off their manual and, and try replicate what they're doing because when we were in Sudan. Sundowns players were getting the recognition from the fans. Even in Ethiopia, when we were at the hotel, that for me was yeah. Like I, I am doing it in my country, yes. But there are football lovers across the country who are admiring and enjoying my game. So I, 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 I'd love to be in that competition one way or another. I, for me, it was going to be with Bafana, the highest of levels. Uh, but whatever way to compete against the best in, in Africa, I'd love that opportunity. Yes.
2: Now let's stroll back in time and recall the very first Casafa Castle Cup hosted back in 1997, almost a quarter of a century ago. It proved a thrilling competition with Namibia, a real surprise package in the same year as they qualified for the Africa Cup of Nations. But how big a part did participating in the Casafa competition help the then fledgling national team? Former Namibia captain Sandra de Gouveia has been talking to Mark Leeson about those early days.
1: You played in Namibia's first Kasafa tie, which was um, back in 97 when I look at the records here. What did that competition do for Namibian football, do you think?
4: Well, I think Kasafa helped us a lot. Um, it just gave us another platform to play in, um, gave us a bit better chance to, to play as, as it was always made up of smaller teams coming from the Southern Africa. Like obviously, South Africa was a big team, but the other countries, um, we were at that time also playing in other African groups against top quality teams. We were in the World Cup preliminaries at that time, so the Kosovo Cup just kept us going, training together, playing together. As we were mostly amateurs, it just really helped us to to gel together and keep a team spirit going. And and, and we grew a lot through those through those games.
1: And in that first edition in '97, I mean, you beat Zimbabwe and Vincent, you beat Malawi four-one. You scored a goal in that particular game. I mean, do you see that as a sort of the genesis of the successful side that eventually then qualified for '98 for Burkina Faso?
4: Yeah, totally. I think uh, we had been working together for about three, four years already and I think that time 96, 97 for me it was my personal peak I was 28 um, you know getting used to all the matches captaining the side but having a good group, group of players the under 20s that came through it was a good generation with Ricardo Minetti and those guys Slice and Marlon Asset but played for Chiefs so we had a good generation and, and those, that, that competition helped us a lot we were winning we had good team spirit confidence was there And we could aim at something, you know, going for the Africa Cup.
1: And why did you miss the game against South Africa, the famous Jomo Sona game when uh, Achubeb scored an extra time that beat South Africa 3-2 before both sides went to Burkina?
4: Yeah, I broke my ankle in in July 1997. I just come back in 98, beginning of 98. I was on the bench Uh, excited to come on and I was just about to come on and we scored the golden goal so it was celebration heavy it was really good and just to be with the boys it was amazing I thought I wouldn't be playing again and just to have a chance of, of being at the field with the boys it was really amazing and very humbling.
1: And that was arguably one of the biggest days for Namibian sports. I mean, there's a special something about beating the big, ugly neighbour, right?
4: Totally. I think um, psychologically and then, you know, they always used to look down on us. I think even coming from Walfa's Bay it was always an issue. Um, but we, I think we had a psychologist coming in the week before from America. He's a Namibian from American. He just said, do the process and then just don't think of the other team. Just do your process and what happens, happens. And we did our best and we, we were a bit lucky. I suppose we got the win. It was really great to, to beat our neighbour. And a country that we always look up to, helps us a lot in, in infrastructure and everything. So, yeah, it was just an amazing victory.
1: That's it then for another episode of the Kasafa Show. I'm sure our listeners in South Africa will be eagerly awaiting for news on who will be their next national team coach. It's just a few months out now from the start of the World Cup qualifiers. We'll have more on that
2: next time. Don't forget, you can listen to more of our podcasts on Soccer Laduma Radio, kassafa.tv, Spotify and iTunes. And you can also get the latest news via our website at www.casafa.com and on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram and TikTok.